The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, freshfm.net, for our contact details. Brothers and sisters! Brothers and sisters! I don't know what this world is coming to! Yes! The rhythm, the rebel, without a pause, I'm lowering my level. The hard rhyme, where you never been, I'm in. You want styling? You know it's time again. D, the enemy, telling you to hear it. They praise the music, it's time to play the lyrics. Some say no to the album, the show, bum rush the sound. I made a year ago, I guess you know, you guess I'm just a radical. Not on sabbatical, yes, to make it critical. The only part of your body should be part of it too. Pair the power on the hour from the rebel to you. Hey, yo, Chuck, man, I'm on Never play me on the mix. They just okay me now, knowing it grown. When the clock in my zone is no sneaking and taking everything now the brother owns. My calling card, recorded and audit. Supporter of Chessamart, loud and proud, kicking live. Next poet supreme, loop for truth, bazooka the scheme. Flavor, a rebel in his own mind. Supporter of my rhyme, designed to scatter a line of suckers who claim I do crime. They are my time ticket. Hey, yo, Chuck, they think we take it short, show
keys, you'll never get these. They belong to the 9-8 posse. You want some more, son? You want to get some? Bum rush the door of the store, pick up the album. You know the rhythm, the rhyme, plus the beat is designed so I can enter your mind, boys. Bring the noise, my time. Step aside for the flex, Terminator X. Yeah, that's right. This jam is ready to call Medina, boy. That's right, call Medina. That's right. We showing up in EFFECT, other known as Effect. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah boy. Bring that back one more time. Bring son. that beat back, Bring man. Bring that beat back. Bring the beat back. Y'all want to hear that beat, right? Bring that beat back. Bring that one, back. two, three, four, hit it. Well, good evening. It's uh, Sunday, sometime in March. What, what's the date, Jack? Do you think March the first? What well, a date it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's I thought it was going to be February the twenty ninth. It could be February yeah. the twenty ninth. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's um, yeah. It's not yeah. a leap year, though, is it? What happens? What happens the other three days of February? I I don't know. Uh, this is totally wired, and w- we're just discussing what happened to the three days of February. Yeah. Do you know what happened to them? I, I don't know. Because last week you said the Gregorian calendar was altered by a second. Oh, no, time was changed by a second. Yes. Wasn't it? Yes, to Somewhat. accommodate the Gregorian calendar. And that was done by mathematicians. Do you think mm. that they may have taken the three days of February and just done something with them? Yeah, they've always been around, but just now we're skipping to March, I guess. Yeah. Perhaps we should find out where the, where the three days of February went to. Mm, yeah, but, but I mean, uh, we won't I look at that tonight. Instead, we'll look at uh, the year of 1987 in yeah. music. Yes, so that was Public Enemy and, uh, and the song of called 1987. "Rebel Without a Pause." Um, so, uh, and last week we talked about genre a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and um, it seems that, that hip hop started to get a bit angry around this sort of time. There were. You know, Public Enemy were were quite challenging in their attitudes and stuff, and I think I think possibly the the kind of beginnings of gangster rap was happening about now as well. I'm not going to play any gangster rap because I don't really like it. Mm. um, Yeah, so things were. were I I guess it was always inevitable that that it would become politicized and perhaps. um, You know, well, certain genres of rock were never politicized. I don't think when it comes to the genre of funk music. Funkadelic was had political themes, but it wasn't overtly mm. confrontational. But um, whereas rap is and like disco wasn't was it? No, it wasn't disco wasn't at all. Uh, but I think hip hop because a core a component of that music is rap, and rap is essentially um, a poetry yeah. uh, delivered in a certain way. Uh, I think it just became a very good medium to uh, convey political sort of. Uh, yeah, criticism, yeah. like how folk music was, because that was mostly just um, that that could accommodate really long spoken songs in the form of that genre. Do you think it's because? F- I, I mean, I think there are examples of politicized um, uh, black music from the early seventies, like Jill Scott Heron, people like that, and some you know Marvin Gaye's. Yeah, what's going on was quite political and and uh, an, an awakening of a black consciousness of 
I mean, it's always been there, but it, perhaps they were just expressing it a bit more, you know, about the inequalities of, you know, civil, civil rights and that of kind of their thing. Opinions yeah, but, but so so hip hop and folk music are also really music of the people, aren't they? Yes, yes, definitely. Because uh, hip hop started as um, a way to just uh, teach um, ordinary kids from like Brooklyn and I think the Bronx too, and maybe Queens. Uh, uh, the basics of music and just mm. the very basics and then to be able to you know give them a way to make a really catchy music yeah uh, I mean it came from the streets didn't it really um but like punk in the UK yeah it was underground it was a, yeah. a grassroots movement that started I think also in the schooling system yeah. of New York as well yeah and folk didn't come from the streets but it came from people you know working class people who were you know kind yeah of I up could upset with their lot I, I guess. could believe that but yeah. I don't know the history of folk right It'd be a good radio series, wouldn't it? History of folk. Uh, See, you, you don't think so, do well you? Well, I mean, folk music is funny face has its me. base is basis in like traditional music of a country. Yeah. And what we call folk music in folk rock is like the traditional music of America, and um, there's a lot of it's based a lot on that. But uh, and that's why then we can apply the term folk to the traditional music of other mm. countries, mm. like in Europe, and even to um, yeah, yeah, other foreign countries. Mm. All right. Well, it, it's Sunday, March the sixth. I'm just going to say that. Um, and we're totally wide, and we're in 1987. So, do you want to say anything about 1987? Any? Well, so last week, last week we heard about a man landing a plane in mm -hmm. Red Square, which I thought was great. Um, I'll just mention that soul singer Aretha Franklin was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987, which made her, I think, the first female artist to be included in the Hall of Fame. Um, the criteria stated that they the criteria to choose artists stated they needed to have released their first album at least 25 years prior to their in in induction um, is that still the criteria? Uh, yes I believe so uh, so that means we have to wait 25 years yep I, I don't know why but um, I think that's just to uh, figure out if how lasting their influence was and you can't really do that without a longer period of time maybe that's their thinking I think, I think you could look at you know, um, I don't know, Jimi Hendrix and say he's, I mean, he's probably been inducted, but he's not alive anymore. Yeah. But you could probably... He was, I think he was inducted posthumously. Yes, but you, but like probably two years after he made Electric Ladyland, you could probably say, this is going to last a long time. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, but I guess the Hall of Fame didn't exist then, probably. I'm thinking of people no, like, did. like, like him, Ian Curtis, Kurt Cobain, you know, Janis Joplin, those kind of people who get inducted after they've passed away it's a bit of a shame isn't it really it is a shame yeah yeah I guess that's how it is anyway so Aretha Franklin was inducted mm, first woman to uh, be inducted in the fame Hall right. of Fame thank you Jack uh, let's hear some more, more music uh, so we're going to see the emergence of another kind of genre probably uh, from, from America and this is a band called Green River what about me Rick you don't even know I'm alive in a few months, I'll be 18, and I'll come into the money my father left me, and I won't need anyone to tell me how to live or what to do. Look at me, Rick. I'm not just a little girl anymore. I'm a woman.
was Green River and a track called Aussie from the northwest of America. Uh, they, I think they mutated into a band called Mud Honey. Ah. Mm. So this was proto grunge. Proto grunge. You could call it proto grunge. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now, so I, I liked grunge when I first heard it, but I wasn't someone at the time who liked kind of heavy metal stuff because, I mean, I think 1987 would probably, I think I'm right in saying Guns N' Roses were. Um, getting pretty big with that Sweet Child of Mine song, you know that song? I thought they got popular in like 1985 or 1986. Could possibly. Around, uh, this, around this time anyway. I don't know. You know. And Metallica were of course starting to emerge as, as a very popular band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I never quite understood I, that I would like that song but not Metallica for example. You don't, f- you don't understand it? I don't understand why I would like one and not the other. I think I, I think I understand it. Go on then. I think Tell it's me. because grunge Analyze is me. a, Give me a excellent <laughs> mashup of metal, <laughs> but also punk music. Yeah, there's something they, something punk about it. Yeah, they're using all the metal tone and the metal sort of um, ways of like playing music, and then creating sort of a punk use, using a punk sort of framework to base their music on. Right. Um, it's not metal like they don't want to go into some long solo that wastes your time <laughs> there's no grunge <laughs> solos in grunge it's just really um well, well actually there is there are solos but they're not um the point of the song the point of the song is to sort of you know yell out some um semi-nihilistic li- lyrics or just some really angsty stuff um which it's kind of more of a punk thing and then yeah yeah and, and I guess I guess the image as well I kind of quite liked because it, it was there was there was ev- even though grunge will become uh, almost a fashion, mm. won't it? It did so become a good fashion as well. Yes, you know, jeans and a check shirt and some beaten up baseball shoes, probably which was just you know the thing casual attire of Northwest. Kids. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. and they looked like kind of lumberjacks with long hair. Oh, of course, you yeah. know who hadn't washed for a couple of days. Mm. Um, but but but. When I first saw it, I thought, well, that's just not fashionable at all. And it wasn't, there was no kind of style, defined style almost. You didn't have to have long hair. And, you know, most of them did, I guess. And this evaluation was coming from punks in London. Yeah. You don't, you're not well, fashionable. What's wrong with you? Were punks seriously saying that? No, they weren't. No, no. I was saying it was quite, quite oh. an appealing thing that there wasn't a oh, okay, defined appealing. style to it, right. you know. Yeah. It was almost like. Um, uh, yeah, that, that was that was an appealing thing. Mm. You know, I quite there was a, an anti-fashion perhaps oh, yeah, about I, it. You well, know, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and the music was just like you say, had a punk thing to it, didn't that really? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, there was a, a big label started to in 1987 or 86, 87 uh, called Sub Pop, mm-hmm. which which started to release a lot of the bands uh, from the northwest. Uh, and the first single they did uh, they released was by a band called Soundgarden, who became quite big, I believe. Uh, and this is hunted down.
Soundgarden and Hunted Down uh, on Sub Pop Records. Uh, so, so you you were saying that some bands from that era were more metal than punk and vice versa for yeah. some. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's an interesting thing about grunge. It um, sort of so I think Soundgarden were more metal than punk, and Mudhoney were more punk than metal. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it was its own unique genre at the end of the day. And I think you also talked talk to me about um, the fact that some bands had uh, southern rock elements in it as well. I think you can hear a bit of that. Yeah, and mm. and uh, and obviously hardcore, American hardcore was kind of in there as well a bit. You know, they, you know, bands like Husker Du and stuff were doing stuff that was. Uh, connected. Anyway, I've got more. I've got more guitar, noisy guitar to play. Okay. We should have called this just like the proto grunge show. Mm, oh, cool. Well, well, a couple more anyway. You know, not That's loads, it. but anyway. Um, anything? What ha- else happened in 1987? So apart from the emergence of this, this was uh, the year that the world's population reached five billion people. Oh, so right. Impressive. Uh, and then also the U.S. stock mar- market crashed in October. Right, uh, which it does every now and again. Yeah, it does, uh, which I, I don't understand why. But um, there was a 508-point drop, which um, was approximately 22.6% of a um, crash, Yeah, which sounds pretty bad. Um, apparently, Australia's uh, stock market fell by 41.8%, which wow. is catastrophic. Yeah. Canada by, by 225 which is the average. Yeah. Hong Kong by 458 which is... Oh boy, and the United Kingdom's crashed by twenty six point four, so that's bad too. Mm. Isn't that just the nature of capitalism? Uh, it's always crashing, isn't it? It goes up and then it comes down. Well, again. as far as I know, there's like this cycle to how. Um, I know there wasn't a great like economic insight uh, from me. To economics work, like there's if stuff rises, it has to fall. They can't go on forever. A bubble can't just can keep on inflating unless, I guess, you find more resources to be able to mm. actually create the proper wealth. Because yeah. um, wealth is, you know, based upon it has to be created. And this actually brings me into um, another country that was affected, which is New Zealand. Mm. Um, Nineteen eighty-seven was a pretty bad stock market crash for New Zealand, where um, billions were wiped off the value of the stock market, and many investors. Um, were dragged under, went bust, and even small-time investors uh, were burned by the experience. And it was um, it was a result of the deregulation um, uh, policies of the Labour government under um, Rogernomics. Mm. Um, so, yeah, not a good ex- first experience with deregulation, huh? Right, right. What did they deregulate? The all the, the, the prime industries. Uh, I think. Um, Almost everything got deregulated. I know that um, I think telecom became private. It used to be a public company. Right. Uh, it used to be called the post office, maybe. Uh, I have like in I the can't UK. Remember. I mean, the UK used to have a, a post office, and then it became British Telecom. I think it's name and Royal Mail. I think its name actually stayed roughly the same. Right. Uh, I think the Air New Zealand Airway Airlines. Okay. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. Got privatized as well. Yeah. And um, I might be missing another. That's okay. We weren't in New Zealand at the time, so we, could, we can't be no. blamed for it. What else happened in New Zealand? What else happened? Hold on. i just check my notes. Mm. Sorry, I, I caught you on the hop there a bit, didn't I? Oh, gosh. Maori became a, an official language. Yes. That's mm-hmm. what I was hoping you'd, you'd talk about. So that 
um, which when I read that 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 Maori you know Te Reo became an official language in New Zealand in eighty seven. Eighty seven. I was just quite shocked by that. Well, to be fair, uh, um, I think maybe the language I should, maybe had I shouldn't be, but fallen um, out of the common parlance. Um, wait, did it fall out of the common parlance completely? Yes. No, I don't think I mean, it I, did, actually. I've heard stories of it not being taught in schools and being banned from, people were banned from talking it, in, or speaking it, sorry, not okay. speaking it in the 50s and 60s. I've heard those stories, but I would have thought in the 70s it would have become a... Uh, well, that's when the uh, activism started. Yes. And... Uh, I have heard actually some New Zealanders say that they just spoke it really commonly in their communities. Yeah. So I think maybe... But to be officially recognised as the as the second language of this country was yeah. just... Yeah. Uh, 87 is like, feels it's like... It's late, isn't it? Well, it feels far, like it. It feels like it, but maybe... Um, uh, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Interesting, isn't I it? I think it was too late because, um, you know, this is a bicultural country. Yeah, and, and has been, always has been, mm. and yet, yet it took to 1987 yeah, for someone to unfortunately, say. Unfortunately, Maori people have always been like in the second yeah, position. Yeah, whereas the Europeans just became far more numerous. Yeah, which it makes sense because bigger cultures will always dwarf the smaller cultures. But you have to recognise minorities, and I think that's a good thing for countries to do to be able to. Yeah. Um, and you have to recognise and keep speaking languages because, you know, I, I think yep. every, every year languages disappear, don't they? Someone dies who spoke a language and no one else can speak it. Mm. And that's just an yeah. awful thing. Cause, cause it's the loss for um, oh, language is really expression and yeah. for, yeah. Uh, for creativity. It's just, just diversity, isn't it? Uh, having different people speaking different things. I mean, it's very good mm. for us as human beings, surely. Anyway, enough rambling. Let's uh, hear from Sonic Youth.
te reo irirangi o te tau ihu o te waka a Maui. Fresh FM. Dinosaur Junior uh, and a track called The Lung. 
Uh, and bef prior to that, there was Sonic Youth and I've got a Catholic block. I just want to say that I, I've just thought about the music there. Uh, and it's I think it's the quiet, loud thing I quite like. Oh, yeah, that was a core component of grunge. You know, yeah. uh, and, and the slow, fast thing, which I think the Pixies are going to mm. probably do. You know, that kind of like, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's part of it for me. Yeah. I think, and that distinguishes it from other things. We were talking about bilingual diversity and lingu linguistics and things like that, weren't we? Mm, we were. Whilst that we're playing. And, and go on, you made a good point, so make it. Uh, I don't know if it's a good point, but um, ah, well, well, when thinking about um, uh, preserving uh, or you know, promoting Maori culture or a minority culture in your country, um, there's really never any uh, logical reason for it. There's never a rational reason for it. It's always an emotional reason. Um, so, for example, um, it would be much easier if we just had one culture in this country. Uh, okay. So we could all like communicate with just one language. And we have one set of ideals, and we'd have. Um, so, on that point, you think it'd be a much better world if we, everyone just and then had the, the same entire culture. country. What about the world, Jack? The world. Well, well yes, you could apply this to the world. Well, then. The whole, so the whole world speaks one language. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but and, and so it would make then it easier why would we want this? And I would only think that um, is that that the nations that currently exist on the earth are worth preserving, and that because a nation is sort of like the con the um, conjugation or the you know gathering of all of the thoughts and ideas of your ancestors yes. in one sort of specific place. Yeah. Um, when you uh, participate in a culture, it's like you are remembering or you know seeing the contributions of all of these people there's thousands and millions of people that have come before you yeah, yeah. and then that's what makes cultures and you know nations worth you know loving and worth preserving and worth keeping alive and that's why we keep languages alive and we you know try to bring them back like how the welsh brought their language back um it's sort of like um related i think to the idea of love rather than um this pure sort of um cold rational sort of utopian vision that just probably won't work because if you have a monoculture an entire world with just one culture well i don't i don't know yeah see like, like there's no re, um rational reason to to argue for a myriad of cultures and languages in the world right but um but there is but you just did it yeah no, well, no there isn't a rational you reason you think you did it in an emotional so, way rather than a rational way yeah i can only think of it in an emotional way right yeah because it's important. Uh, I think it's important to everyone that has come before us. Yeah, mm. yeah, and, and and everyone who will come after us. Yeah, yeah. But then also, I think you have to look at what has come before and say, well, was there anything that they did wrong? Because okay. not all cultures, uh, I don't think, promote good things and things that are worthy of actually keeping. But that's, I guess, I have. Yeah, no, I, I'm not completely a traditionalist I guess you know sure sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I know what you're saying yeah mm. I just know that there's, some, that, that, that there's something about language that is important you know mm -hmm. and, and all other aspects of culture and language I know is only one, yeah. part, one part of culture um, it's also like really important for some people when you know that was the language they heard growing up and it's like oh I hear that language again oh I feel like I'm back at home yeah true true mm. yeah 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 um yeah, I, I just I think to, I have something about language for me. Someone someone who's related to you um, told me that that um, in in, in Toreo there are forty words for dung. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> Did you know that? You ever heard that before? No. I don't know. I don't know if Charlie. I don't know if he, he's like. He read it in a book or something. Okay. I'd really like to know if that's true, because to have forty words for animal uh, excrement is is isn't that great? <laughs> yes. You know, and and the Inuit of of northern Canada have fifty words for snow. Apparently, uh-huh. is that right? You know, you've heard of that before. Snow. Fifty words for snow. Oh yeah, I think I roughly heard that about that. Yeah. I mean, that's a kind of famous quote, isn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, fifty words for snow. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I mean, and and that that f- for me is is the importance of language because snow is just like this white stuff, isn't it? To us, yeah, it's, it's just what's snow. white and cold, and it just gets and it melts and it goes into slush and really annoys you when it melts, but it's quite nice and crunchy when you step on it mm. first of all. You know, when you throw a snowball at somebody, it's good fun, and you go slip. I mean, whatever. But if you live surrounded by snow all the time, then how do you communicate snow in 50 different ways? I don't know. But if I knew their language, I would. Yes, yes. But that could be translated for you, couldn't it, into your language? And you could then understand that there are, you know, there's soft snow and there's hard snow and fluffy snow that flies in the air and, you know, snow that's melted. I suppose, and but I don't think it's the same thing as having, like, one did a dedicated word to it because an affix is not... Doesn't yeah. quite have the and same, I, you know. And I wanted to know if there was something because I, I unfortunately only speak English, and uh, that's probably the only one I can speak, and not very well sometimes. But I was wondering whether there's any words in, or there's anything in the English language that we have lots of words for, and I couldn't, th- I couldn't really think of it. But maybe I'll ponder it a bit more. I mean, you know, is there something like do we have twenty words for tea, you know, or <laughs> chips or <laughs> pie or something? I don't know. I can't really think of anything. Can you? Oh, nothing's coming off of, off the top of my head, but English is sort of the anarchic language, where every single other we take words from all the other languages. Yes, and there's no rules, um, but the, you know it's easy to learn the letters. Yes. However, when it comes to pronunciation, it's going to be a nightmare. Mm. You just have to listen and listen yes, and listen. Yes, yes. Um, you can you can tell us one day about your learning Spanish because mm. you're learning Spanish at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I'm just uh, going through flip, flip cards and reading people's conversations online. Right. Right now. Do you want to say anything in Spanish? Um, um, buenas tardes. Okay. Thank you, Jack. Mm. Here's the Smiths.
that was the Smiths and stop me if you think you've heard this one before uh, what was it you said in Spanish just then in, 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 it was good day was good it? evening good evening okay yeah. tardes means late in Spanish late hmm. like a tardy so late hello tardy a late hello hmm. that's good I like that um, a video game franchise occurred uh, or began it's it's long journey mm -hmm. I think yes um, I think this year or the next they're going to be releasing the 15th official title in their um, long running franchise it's called Final Fantasy and it made its start in 1987 released on the uh Nintendo Entertainment System in Japan. Uh, it was the very first Final Fantasy video game to be released in Japan in December, and uh, it was uh, sold about 400,000 initial copies on its release, and then went on to sell 2 million more copies worldwide. Um, yeah, it uh, was basically the first really successful uh, fantasy-based video game um, for video games. Can you explain what a fantasy-based video game is for someone okay. who doesn't uh, know? Short in 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 a, in like ten, oh, I'm just talking about um, ten words. How the fantasy genre is a part of this franchise. Um, how you know Lord of the Rings was based in books, and then uh, Dungeons and Dragons had its base on tabletop role playing, which is where you played on a table yeah. and around with your friends and physically. Yes. Uh, but then video games. I think the first fantasy video game was that got really successful was Final Fantasy and it's like the okay. benchmark for fantasy video games right um, okay. and then also the nature of the game is a role playing game so uh, turn based battles and uh, uh, collecting equipment and you know fighting okay yeah it's a very, very popular video genre isn't it uh, now it, less so but um, because turn based has, has battle, get battle games are less popular okay but um, it's still played Right. People still play that type of game. Yeah. So influenced games like what? Um, I think Final Fantasy had more influence upon the nature of fantasy games, really. Right. The gameplay system has sort of fallen off, but yeah. um, a lot of video games are based upon a lot of the Final Fantasy themes, where you basically fight a supernatural being at the end, for example. Yeah. Um, that's okay. just a common trope now in Japanese video games. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. So uh, uh, a new drug was. Um, Marketed in mm -hmm. 1987. Uh, Prozac. Prozac. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't actually know that much about Prozac. Prozac's an antidepressant uh, that um, became very, very popular to, to prescribe, uh, either because doctors like to prescribe it or because the, uh, the pharmaceutical company behind it promoted it very well as a kind of safe antidepressant that... Um, could just be given to anyone really right. you know? uh, and I think when it first came out it probably had had a good impact on some people but then became prescribed for absolutely anything probably so people would go to a, a, a doctor and you know say I'm, I'm having this problem that problem and they might get prescribed Prozac right um, so so obviously the word Prozac now is a, uh, a a word that's just bandied around for for f kind of fun really probably oh. probably many okay yeah, I think I heard some reports of dogs being prescribed. That's right. That's right. Uh, dogs, dogs were prescribed Prozac. Yes. Oh. Um, because dogs were depressed or something. Is that possible? I do I'm think sure it, you I can. I have heard um, instances of animals actually becoming heartbroken after um, right. a mate of theirs dies. I think one was like a notable case of a goose or duck, like crying out 
Yes. Like every oh, night oh, after absolutely. their partner died. Oh, elephant, so yeah, animals, elephants do it. I mean, for sure. Yeah, and then but, um, elephants grieve them. I don't think antidepressants are probably worth it. But but yeah, like, do you think antidepressants help the mourning process? And uh, if so, would there be other like normal processes that you have to just let occur occur um, well, rather so, than so just deal with well, with, with, with a chemical drug? I think it's just really. I think, I think, I think to you're right. That's introduced to your life. Well, I think if if in society you're not able to help people to grieve and go through a grieving process mm. and help them to recover from something, whatever that yeah. grief might be, um, and and if we start to say, "I'll oh, just give them antidepressants," then we lose that human interaction, that humanity that has helped people mm. recover in the past. Some people really yeah. don't recover, th- f- even with a lot of support, and perhaps those people might need some help, be it, be it more professional help or even even a chemical, but. Um, yeah, there's a danger that we just start giving drugs for anything, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and that's how it's going to be. Uh, and this is uh, a song called "Sign of the Times."
Prince and Sign of the Times from 1987 uh, and that's all we've got time for really so uh, thank you for listening to our uh, our temporary occupation of the airwaves uh, we are totally wired and Jack wants to talk more about language but maybe next time mm. yeah we're out of time yeah we, we could talk about language a lot couldn't we we, we quite like it we're out of time yeah so we're just going to play one more song uh, perhaps the birth of something called techno right good night have a good week good night
The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.